0: Back in Fictional Frontiers, it's James Berardinelli-Town on Fictional Frontiers. James is the founder of RealViews.net. He's the best online film critic in America, and this is his Real Take segment with us. And today begins the summer movie season, (laughs) I guess, so to speak, even though it's March, uh, with Captain Marvel. I know a lot of people are going to be going out to see it tonight. James and I have had a chance to see the film, and... We've got a lot to talk about (laughs) as far as the film is concerned. We're going to try to avoid spoilers as best as possible. Uh, We are going to contrast and compare, but I think we're going to do it in a way that's fair and serves the medium itself. So, James, take it away.
1: All right, first of all, give me a second here while I get into my asbestos suit (laughs) because I know the flames are going to be coming. Uh, No, I mean, I didn't hate the movie. Uh, you know, if you if you want to look strictly at at, at you know the the numerical rating, I, g- I gave it what would be called, called a mixed rating. It's two and a half stars. It's right there in the middle. Um, I do not know whether Rotten Tomatoes is going to turn their thumb up or thumb down as far as this is concerned. That's an editorial decision that they make. Um, you know, one of the problems and we have to say this up front. Mm-hmm is with a movie like this, as was the case with Wonder Woman and as was the case with Black Panther, uh, you get a certain group of people who will react to the movie not on the basis of the movie itself, but on the political climate in which the movie arises. Cool. You know, Obviously, Black Panther... Um, you know was a racially charged movie because it was really the the first modern superhero movie first you know MCU movie uh to focus on a, a black character and wonder woman had the distinction of being the first uh modern superhero comic book movie to focus on a lead female character and Captain Marvel, a little late to the party here with with Marvel, (laughs) uh, is the first MCU movie with a lead female character. Uh, So there are obviously, you know, gender tensions, race tensions associated with these movies. And there are people who are making comments about the movies, who are voting either up or down Not based on the movie. In fact, many of these people haven't even seen the movie when they're forming their opinions. But based on something about the movie. Uh, What I've tried to do with this movie, and my reaction to it, is completely divorce myself from any social context associated with the movie. And look at it just like any other movie. And evaluate it on those terms, keeping in mind, of course, I don't forget the fact that this is, you know, a an important movie uh, in a social context because of uh, what it does within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, vis-a-vis finally giving a uh, strong, creating a strong female superhero. The fact of the matter is, when you, regardless of what your political context is, you still have a, the requirement of creating a good movie. That's something that uh, was Warner Brothers did, Patty Jenkins did with Wonder Woman, um, and before people come after me with pitchforks for things that I might say about Captain Marvel please remember that I gave Wonder Woman three and a half stars. <laughs> and please remember that I gave Black Panther three and a half stars. I'm not coming at this from a the perspective of the angry male white critic. I'm coming at this from the perspective of a critic. And that's it. Now, I can't change my gender and I can't change my race. So if you want to dismiss what I'm saying for those reasons, well, that's your right. But what I'm trying to do here is present the reasons why the film, in the instances when it didn't work, what the reasons were that I don't think it worked. And when it did work, uh, I'll talk about that as well. So to start off on a more positive note, we can mention that uh, Brie Larson is very good in this role. Yes. Um, she is the best thing about the movie that 's a, a cliche but yeah it's it 's true um, She has presence, she has charisma, and given a better script, she could probably uh really really take this character uh to interesting places i don 't mind the idea of her coming back, provided somebody figures out how to work this character. Uh, better than the, 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 the filmmakers of Captain Marvel did because, you know, that, that's one of my chief complaints about the movie is the character itself basically is a female Superman. And when you get to that level of power and ability, it becomes exponentially more difficult to write compelling stories. This is why so many Superman movies have been garbage, because there's only so much you can do with Superman, and especially when you put him in in stories with other superheroes who are lesser in terms of their powers and abilities, it becomes even more difficult to deal with Superman. That's the reason they killed him off for a while, (laughs) And yes, so that you so that you had uh, you didn't have to deal with him through throughout most of Justice League because well, you know he he was he's a, he's a problem he's a problem to write for I mean that's the whole reason why we went through this whole is Henry Cavill coming back is Superman ever coming back I mean we don't even the people at DC and Warner Brothers have no clue what they're going to do with that character because it's a problem character. And now the MCU, instead of uh, taking one of their in-house characters, like a Scarlet Witch, or I know they're going to do a, a, a Black Widow movie, but they, instead of doing that first, instead of doing a Scarlet Witch movie, instead of doing something with one of the female X-Men, who are now back in the, uh, the stable at, at Marvel, they elected to take the most powerful character in the entire Marvel Universe and put her on screen. Uh, So yes, the Marvel version of Superman is a woman, and there's something to be applauded about that. But what's not to be applauded is the fact that they now have a Superman in, in their universe, which completely unbalances anything else. I mean, you know, you had the kind of the the conflict between Captain America and Iron Man, which was interesting and compelling because these guys are roughly evenly matched and they can sort of, you know, know, knock around each other. If you put uh, Captain Marvel next to either of these guys, she could basically kill them without thinking too much. Mm -hmm. And that kind of means that, well, when she's around, why don't the rest of the Avengers just sort of hang up their... uh, their costumes and retired civilian life because they're not needed anymore.
0: Uh, Well, if I can make (coughs) a point there, I think that going back to Bree's performance, uh, one of the things that really concerned me uh, was the marketing of the film because I think the nature of trailers is that you're trying to give a snapshot of and about who this character is. And in this movie, the character is trying to find herself. Um, And so there's really not a way for the audience to kind of grab onto anything with respect to the trailers. We don't know who she is, and so many people were concerned whether or not she was actually going to be a character you wanted to learn more about. Now, uh, we'll talk about Alita a little bit later on, but uh, I do think the performance itself uh, was solid, was strong. I think that there's a lot that could be done with the character, but it goes back to what you were saying. There has to be a story that's compelling and we need to know more about her, we need to learn more about who she is, what makes her tick, so to speak, and if you pull it back to even Stan Lee, uh, and there's a wonderful, wonderful homage to Stan Lee at the beginning of this film, so don't miss the beginning of this film uh, regardless, but uh, Stan and many of the incredibly talented storytellers in comics back in the day started with a fundamental question, what is the central conflict? involving this character what makes this character tick and I think the Marvel characters were always strong because there was a weakness there and with this Captain Marvel character it appears that one of her quote unquote weaknesses was her not knowing who she is or where she uh, came from and I guess that's a minor spoiler so to speak but not really that much the film addresses that and so going forward there has to be more that we as an audience can grab onto and that's going to be up to the writers right
1: yeah, and so far they haven't done a particularly good job
0: of it. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would and this
1: is that. this is really the central difference between, you know, you you can bring up a lot of uh, comparisons when you're, and we we're going to talk about Game of Thrones, we're going to talk about Alita, obviously we're going to talk about Wonder Woman,
0: and we can um, even talk about Luke Skywalker as well to make this gender neutral, so to speak, because I think it yeah. depends on it doesn't really depend on the character, I should say, uh, or their gender, it's the journey itself
1: yeah with 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 the wonder woman comparison though um both of these these films uh, i think you look at wonder woman and which worked uh in part because the whole wonder woman story was just better designed than the, the captain marvel story but a lot of it has to do with with the character building aspects of the movie and Wonder Woman. When when Patty Jenkins put that movie together, she made a very uh, wise decision not to distance the audience from Wonder Woman to work in, to figure out ways to make to humanize Wonder Woman to make her not this distant Amazonian hero, but to create emotional vulnerabilities in her. Um, and obviously, I mean, I think we can, we can probably do spoilers for Wonder Woman, can't we?
0: I'll go right ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we have the Chris Pine character in there who is kind of, you know, Lois Lane to uh, Wonder Woman Superman. <laughs> I mean, he's the love interest. Um, and in that context, He brings out not only the warmth that comes, that's associated with falling in love, but then the pain associated with losing him. And those aspects of Wonder Woman, which are critical to the character's DNA, are in that movie. And help to make that character real. You know, it's superhero. Okay, you know, there's different levels of reality, but you know, real within the context. We 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 develop a bond with her. There's nothing like that really in Captain Marvel. That's one of the problems with this character. The the script, without going into detail doesn't do anything, at least not successfully, to humanize her. She's a very cold, distant sort of character. Yes, I mean, Brie Larson's charisma brings her a little closer. She has some, you know, quips and comedic moments and, you know, funny stuff. But where does the humanization come from? A bunch of photographs. Mm. That's it that's where we that those photographs are supposed to humanize her
0: photos and a couple to of very very a...
1: sketchy not well developed relationships of, with secondary characters who you know you sort of shrug and they don't mean anything
0: um, photos never work by the way, I just want to interject because if you recall the one emotionally powerful scene involving the Star Trek characters and Going back to the original crew, was just that photograph in the new films, right? And that was. Well,
1: I shouldn't say they <laughs> never
0: worked, because that's actually the one time I thought right, maybe they it did work. Maybe it did work. But again, it could, what I'm saying is that there's always more. If there's, there, if there's power in a photograph, you can imagine how much more power there would be if you actually developed a scene.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the, the photograph in, in Star Trek Beyond, there was so much weight associated with that photograph. It was the only time that the, the real crew, the real actors, had appeared in, uh, other than Leonard Nimoy, had appeared in those new movies. It was, and it was a tribute to Leonard Nimoy, who had died, and, you know, the character of Spock at that point had died. Um, there was a lot more going on in, in that particular photograph than here with, these are just, you know, snapshots of... Uh, I guess McKenna grace playing the young uh, the young uh, Carol Danvers and uh, you know it it there's no it, the problem with the movie relates to how the script handles the character that's one of the problems with the movie I mean if I were to list the the three my three top complaints about uh, this movie one is how the character of Carol Danvers is mishandled, I would say. The second is the massive headaches this creates for the MCU by having an overpowered character. Um, And the third and probably most, uh, most annoying aspect of it is this movie seems not to have recognized that the superhero genre has moved on we're not stuck back in these movies where everything follows a by the numbers plot um, you know from from start to finish how many surprises are I mean you talk about uh, and I'm not going to give away spoilers but is there really anything to be spoiled in this movie is there anything in this movie that happens that's Entirely unexpected, like in Avengers: Infinity War, where fifty percent of the universe's population gets eighty sixth. Mm. Or, you know, you superhero movies are at their best when they subvert the genre rather than pandering to it. And unfortunately, uh, that's not the case here. This is a movie that is very strictly within the uh it, it's a standard order superhero movie now many will find that to be immensely appealing and they don't they won't mind the fact that it's uh kind of looks and feels like something that was made in nineteen ninety well not nineteen ninety five we didn't have really superhero movies in nineteen ninety five um but you know made in maybe two thousand four two thousand five you know, Spider-Man 3 era? I mean, actually, that was the movie that came to mind most forcefully when I was watching this. Mm-hmm. It this felt an awful lot like Spider-Man 3, uh, the Sam Raimi one. Uh, that's not a uh, an endorsement, by the way, because that movie was a total mess. And this movie is a little bit of a mess, too.
0: Uh, well, James, I want to take a moment to talk about the hero's journey. I touched on this off the air. Joseph Campbell wrote The Hero of a Thousand Faces, and George Lucas used that as source material, and if you really look at it, for centuries, heroes have gone through trials and tribulations to reach a certain level of achievement, of accomplishment, of power, and we see some of that in this film, but it's not really uh, on display in the way that would draw us in, so to speak. I guess, narratively, from a directorial point of view, there needed to be more. And uh, you actually compared and contrasted Carol Danvers' journey with Alita's and some other very well-known characters in other media, so talk about that.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'll start with Alita. Basically, the sto- Alita's story is, is very a very close parallel to Carol Danvers. Both of them start out with no memories of their past. And both of them, there are other parallels that I won't talk about because they would involve revelations that I don't want to make. Uh, Both of them are on on that journey. They're trying to find themselves. They're trying to understand their place in the universe and uh, sort of come to grips with it. And yet For me, at least, the character of Alita um, had an emotional impact. I mean, I, I believed in that character. I liked that character. I was rooting for that character. Carol Danvers does not achieve those same levels of success. Now, these are both female characters. They're both strong characters. But what does Alita have? that Carol Danvers doesn't have. Well, again, I get, you know, people are going to, you know, poo-poo, people like to poo-poo the idea of uh, of love and romance. And granted, the guy that Alita falls in love with is, you know, a bit of a wuss, actually. But, um, but she does fall in love. And she, uh, this is a spoiler for Alita, she loses him. Same as with Wonder Woman. You know, Love and death is a real good way to uh, humanize a character. Um, But you you get these parallel stories, and and one really works, and the other doesn't. And a lot of it has to do with uh, how the writers treat the characters. Small decisions that they make. And maybe the Marvel Cinematic Universe does not allow for the kind of freedom that would be necessary to really develop Carol Danvers. But I would argue that's probably not the case because if you look at Black Panther, there seemed to be an awful lot of freedom given there mm. to make certain artistic choices that that worked within the context of that movie. Uh, yeah, but the the question the question is. When you have a character, and a character comes into, uh, takes this journey from—I won't say she's a peon at the beginning of the movie, but she's she's the uh, you know the Anakin to uh, Jude Law's Obi Wan. Yes, uh, she's she's the, the Padawan at the beginning of the movie. When you make that that uh, you know that transition, that journey from Padawan to you know, the greatest Jedi of all time. Uh, you know, you there there you really as an audience you have to feel that that journey involves tremendous sacrifice. And the more you sacrifice along that journey, the more satisfying it is when you reach the end point. And this is where we go to the Game of Thrones comparisons. Because there are three characters in Game of Thrones. Now I'm gonna be throwing out Game of Thrones spoilers now. (laughs) But this is not none of these are related to season eight because I have no more idea what's going on in season eight than anybody else does. So I'm not I'm not spoiling anything that's not out there. But quite frankly, if you haven't seen seasons, say six and seven may not want to listen to this. Um, The three female characters, the main characters I'm thinking of are Daenerys, Sansa, and Arya. Uh, And all of them undergo tremendous physical and mental suffering to get to the point that they're at in Season 7, where they've gone through the flames and are these strong, powerful characters you know, the satisfaction that you feel seeing these characters come into their power, so to speak, is far more satisfying than what happens when Carol Danvers, um, you know, reaches her apotheosis.
0: Two good questions as we head out, James. One, how well do you think this film is going to do at the box office? And number two, do you think that if... Captain Marvel is going to be a compelling character going ahead, there's going to have to be a balance between narrative and action, and to be honest with you, given her level of power, it's going to take somebody who has a real eye uh, with respect to cinematography, with respect to visual effects, it can't just be a by-the-numbers approach, because, let's face it, a lot of the action sequences in this film were rather pedestrian.
1: Yeah, some of sh- She needs storytellers who will take this character and uh every all of the the trappings around it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you know, I don't know who that who that I am not convinced it's the same directors that directed this movie, although Marvel seems to like to bring back uh directors to continue various storylines. Um but what the you have to do something with this character to you know Give give the audience hooks into the character, you know. Give the character something, something emotional, on on some level. You know they, you know, we haven't we haven't seen her really have to deal with any sort of emotional uh, turmoil, at least not of significant consequence. Now, how do I think audiences will react to that? I think they'll be fine with the movie. I don't see it generating the kind of groundswell. Of approval that uh, Black Panther did, but it's not a bad movie. It's just an ordinary movie, and I think people are sort of hungry at this point for something big, for something splashy. Um, So I do think it'll it'll do fairly well. I think that um, the fact that it isn't atrocious means that uh, you know people will be will will have nice 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 ish things to say about it. Uh, But I don't expect it to become the phenomenon that that Black Panther was. Okay, It's more like uh, an appetizer for Avengers Endgame.
0: And I think that, uh, hearkening back to Doctor Strange, uh, he had one film, he had a cameo in uh, Thor Ragnarok, so uh, he was there briefly, but he really came into his own, so to speak, in uh, Avengers Infinity War. So it will be interesting to see whether or not uh, this is a character who uh, really does take it to the next level narratively with Avengers Endgame. Maybe what we'll see in that film is what we saw with Infinity War with Doctor Strange. We can only hope so. But James, uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Uh, Like I said, the summer movie season has begun (laughs) and uh, there's more to come. Again, James Barrard now the founder of RealViews.net, the best online film critic in America. James, we will talk to you in two weeks, my friend.
1: Okay. Okay makes no connection.